Welcome to our brand new podcast, UK Payroll Today. My name is Melanie Pitsy, and I'm the CEO of the Global Payroll Association. And my fellow presenter is Joe Marshall, who is our UK payroll expert. Hi, Joe. Hi, Mel. Uh, thank you very much for the introduction. Yes, my name is Joe Marshall. I'm a freelance payroll trainer and consultant. So I work alongside GPA to deliver just some of their payroll training courses. And the podcast, that's what we're here to cover today, of course. Uh, they are trying to take this huge payroll, of course, UK payroll compliance and trying to break that down into bite-sized chunks, into practical examples about what all of this actually means for UK businesses. So great. Joe. shall we just get on with it then? Sounds like a plan, Mel. Hi, Joe. It's great to see you today. And we have our first episode of UK Payroll today. Um, so before we start, would you like to introduce yourself to the audience? Hi Mel, yeah, good morning. Um, my name is Jo Marshall. Uh, I'm a freelance payroll trainer and consultant. Uh, so I, I kind of work alongside GPA. I deliver some of your UK payroll training courses and of course our fabulous apprenticeship scheme as well. Um, so I've been freelance for about seven years, I think now, something like that. Um, so yeah, really enjoy it, really enjoy the work. And of course, all the changes, everything we have to deal with in payroll, it's a fabulous topic. And what would you say um, you are most passionate about at the moment? At the mo- at the most, the apprenticeship scheme. I, I absolutely love it. I love uh, you know teaching the the new. I keep calling them the next generation coming through, but your age is irrelevant to be honest. We've got uh, ages uh, of all size, genders, uh, of course. Um, so for me, it's it's the learners. It's the new. It's the new people coming through. I've just maybe just started their career in payroll. Regard again, regardless of age. So that's the thing that I'm quite passionate about at the moment. For everybody in payroll, of course, it's the new tax year. It's all the changes that are coming in. Not so much, of course, tax and national insurance. Thank goodness it's settling down. Um, but yeah, looking forward to the new tax year and all the changes potentially that could be happening in 2023. So the idea of um, this podcast is to really give everyone an update on what's happening in UK payroll. So what we're going to discuss or what what are you going to discuss today, Joe? Uh, well, I thought I'd start off with because the word is on the street. Again, if you're following social media or anything to do with payroll or even HR, uh, you're probably aware of this new consultation that's been issued out. This is from BASE. This is the, the Department for Business, Energy, Industrial Strategy. It just rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? Um, so they have issued out a new consultation just a couple of weeks ago, and it's all to do with holidays so we have and I thought this would be a really interesting topic because over the years of course as we've had loads of case law driving certainly holiday pay forward I thought it'd be a really interesting topic to cover because it's that misunderstanding I think some people have where we have two entitlements I think that's the thing I want to want to try and get across because and we're kind of used to this in payroll we have an entitlement to pay and we have an entitlement to leave um, so there are two parts to it and they're kind of slightly different rules. And again, I always explain this by thinking about maternity. So when somebody goes on maternity, the leave is a day one right. They get 52 weeks off. But with the pay, we've got to do tests. We've got to check your length of service. We've got to check your earnings. And then the payment is only 39 weeks. So it's very different, really. Although we're alongside each other, they are, it's different to the leave. And it's kind of the same with the holiday. So I thought it'd be really worthwhile just dig, to dig into these two areas. I know we've probably only got time to cover the leave at the moment. It's probably more relevant because it ties into uh, the consultation that's being put forward. That's what I thought we'd start with. Okay, fab. So do you want to go ahead then, Joe? 
I will indeed. Thank you, Mel. Well, as I said, it's in two parts, all right? So I'm going to just start off with the leave. And as I said, I'm doing this because this is really this consultation. Use the power of Google, guys. Uh, It will get you onto somebody's website. It will get you onto the Gov website, which is where the document is. And the the consultation is really about the leave. They refer to it as entitlement. Um, but I tend to I, I always break things down in payroll. I try to make it as simple as possible to try and understand. But it's about the leave that we're entitled to and how we calculate that. So I just thought I'd start off with that. So a little bit of background. And again, the document will give you all of this as well. But we are entitled to, in the UK, we're entitled to a total of 5.6 weeks statutory holiday. But it's not as simple as that. That's the first part of call. Um, the first, first of all, we have um, uh, an issue from the EU. So back, I know we've just left them, but back in the day, back in certainly 1998, we were part of the EU. We've been part of them for decades. And basically, the EU said to all member states, you know, all of all workers, not just employees, all workers are entitled to four weeks holiday, four weeks statutory holiday. And the whole idea behind this was health and safety. It was about having time off to recoup, recharge your batteries, come back and do it all over again. You get the idea. So we're fresh and we're ready to go again. So that's issued out, again, Working Time Regulations, 1998. So, you know, simple terms, late, late 90s, this comes on board. But unfortunately, in the UK, we have a few problems with that because we have public holidays. We have these we sometimes referred to as bank holidays. And unfortunately, some employers in the UK were saying to their workers, uh, you know, you're entitled to four weeks holiday. Eight of them are public, so you've got 12 left over. So we had to make it clear, okay, we had to add in an additional leave. This is introduced in 2007, so a good few years later, and it's this 1.6 weeks, okay? And that's slightly different. So the additional leave are public holidays, and again, another area that's complicated because that bit's kind of devolved. You've got England and Wales, uh, generally eight days we have. Then you've got Scotland, where they generally have one day extra. Then you've got Northern Ireland, where they might have two days extra. So it's different, again, across the board there. But the difference between the two is, although, yes, they do make up this 5.6 weeks in total, there are differences between those two. So the working time regulation says to us, those four weeks must be used. You can't, if you don't use them, you lose them. You get to the end of your holiday year, whenever that is, and hopefully contractually you've got that noted down. But whenever we get to the end of the holiday year, those days are gone. If you haven't used those four weeks, we lose them. You can't just pay somebody not to take the leave because that's how it would be seen. But with the additional leave, with our public holidays, it's all to do with the contract. And a lot of it will be to do with the kind of worker we are. You know, if we work in an office, maybe we have those days off and we're paid for them. Or maybe if we work in hospitality or retail, you know, the pubs and restaurants, etc. Maybe we have to work those days. So in which case, those workers will have, in theory, 28 days. They can book as and when they wish. But the eight days, which are the public holidays, they could carry forward if the contract permits it. So even those two statutory types are very, very different to each other. And certainly when we think about the payment, and I'm not going to talk about this too much today, but when we think about the payment side and this case law that's driving it forward, it's only referring to the four weeks. So it's the additional leave that kind of stands still because it's very different. And that's the thing we need to kind of get our heads around as well. On top of that, the other thing we've got to consider is contractual. 
contractual holiday. Maybe your employer pays you more. Maybe they're happy to have, I don't know, 30 days holiday instead of 28 or 20, whatever it may be. That's contractual. And as far as that's concerned, there's nothing really going to touch that. It's the agreement between the employee and the employer. You choose how that's going to be worked, carried over, use it or lose it, paid at the end. Whatever you want to do is entirely up to yourself. So let's take a look at the statutory. I'm going to stick with the statutory uh, side of things. First of all, this statutory continues to accrue when certain things happen. It's case law again that's kind of driving this forward. But there is a clear direction that says to us, you can't be on two types of statutory leave. So you can't be on holiday and on maternity, for example, or sickness, for example. You, you can't be on the two. So in which case, the holiday entitlement, if you're on long-term sick, and we know, of course, with maternity, it accrues, it continues to carry forward, okay? So generally with maternities, you tend to find, mainly from a financial point of view, you know, mum might decide to come, you know, have 52 weeks off, but she'll come back, say, 5.6 weeks earlier, and she'll take holiday, so it's paid. So technically, she's back at work, but she's on 5.6 weeks holiday, if you like. Then you've got sickness. Sickness is an interesting one because long-term sickness, of course, potentially could be a full year, really. And as far as the courts are concerned, it simply means the employee hasn't had the opportunity to take their leave, their statutory leave. So instead of use it or lose it at the end of the year, because it's not their fault, of course, it's long-term sick, they are allowed to carry it forward for 18 months after the end of the holiday year. Oh, so to try and explain that, if we imagine the holiday year runs from January through to December, it's this year where they've got long, uh, long-term long sickness. So at the end of this holiday year, December 2023, they can carry their holiday forward to the 30th of June 2025. Go get me years right there. 2025, so it's 18 months after the holiday year. So key things to remember as far as this statutory is concerned. So generally the rule is those four weeks, you use it or you lose it. Your additional, your public holidays, it's all to do with your contract and whatever's been noted in there ultimately. And remember, these continue to accrue as well. All right. So then we talk about um, those are the weeks, 5.6 weeks. And then we start to dig into this a little bit more. We know it's 5.6 weeks, but I don't book my holidays in weeks. I want to take a day here and there throughout the year and quite rightly. So then we think about pro rataing. And if you've read the guidance on this, I'm going to talk about the guidance that beers have put together over the last few years and they talk about percentages sometimes and how they work it out and it's all very quite complicated but it's quite a simple formula really so if you work full-time and that doesn't matter if you work five days a week or six days a week that it's capped and you're probably aware of this 28 days of course it's the total of those four weeks and the 1.6 weeks or the, the the eight days public holidays so it's capped at that point. The reason kind of six should be a maximum, again, is health and safety, because in any given week, we should have 24 hours off. We should not be working seven days a week. So again, for people working in payroll, I know we're coming up to the end of the tax year. Please don't be working seven days a week. Um, so how does the formula work? Well, if you do work five days a week, for example, it's simply 5.6, the weeks we're entitled to, times five, 28 days. Uh, and it works exactly the same way if you're a part-timer. There is the um, Part-Timers Workers Regulations 2000, uh, exactly the same. Basically, it just says that part-time workers are entitled to the same as full-time workers, but on a part, obviously, on a pro-rata basis. But it's the same principle. So if you work three days a week, those that's in your contract, it's 5.6 times your three, and it's 16.8. I probably round it up. And certainly the guidance from Bayes is always round up. It's, it's, better, uh, it's better to do that. 
So nice and simple so far, okay? It's nice, just kind of simple maths to work out the days. Then we kind of delve into other areas like shift workers. And again, if you've read the guidance from Bayes, there isn't anything in the legislation that tells us about shift workers. And this is kind of part of the problem and why, of course, we're pushing on this consultation. But the guidance that they say to us is if the shift, you know, the shift that they work, if there's the same number of hours for each shift, and I suppose that's the question, would ever that be the case? Would there be different hours, different shifts? Who knows? But if it is the same hours that are worked on each of those shifts, then we can use an average. So we try to average it out. So if you work nine, uh, sorry, so for two weeks, you work nine days, you divide it up. So you work the number of uh, days divided by the number of days you actually work divided by uh, times by seven. So it kind of comes up with this calculation of an average of shifts. So when you book shifts, it's the shift that you're booking as a holiday. But that's only if you work the same number of hours for each of those shifts. So quite a rare one, I would have thought, if that's the case. If not, you're delving into things that are a bit more complicated. So we've talked about how we booked out, go from weeks through to days, but what about hours? And this is a big one, of course, when we think about people wanting flexible working. This is, of course, another one that's raising its head. Flexible working by default. Of course, the government's another report the government's just issued out in December last year, December 2020, uh, too, um, which is talking about flexible working so if that's the case are we actually better off booking our holiday in hours so the employee can note down of course how many hours they would have worked on that particular day so in which case we use the same formula it's the same mass we've got this 5.6 weeks of course we then times it by the number of contracted hours we work per week so if we're full-time for example and working 37 and a half hours a week it's 5.6 weeks times 37.5 hours per week equals 210 hours. So that's your contracted holiday hours uh, that you can use throughout the holiday year. Same with a part-timer, of course, exactly the same thing. 5.6 times, I don't know, 20 hours for a part-timer would be 112 hours uh, holiday entitlement for the full year. So just math really, isn't it, at this stage? And certainly if you're reading through the guidance, that's where it's coming through. In the guidance, as I mentioned, it talks about these percentages. Certainly it talks about starters and leavers, but it is just kind of breaking it down. There's several ways you can go through things and come to the same answer. So I try to keep it simple. Then we have, of course, casual workers. OK, so casual workers is really the one that's kicking all of this one off. It's regarding a, a case regarding uh, Brazil versus Harper Trust. Uh, it was way back, I think it was July 19, I think off the top of my head, uh, where the case is going through to the uh, Court of Appeal. And the Court of Appeal uh, basically tell us that all casual workers are entitled to 5.6 weeks holiday, which is, of course, coming from the working time regulation, of course, the legislation behind that. But before that time, and certainly with this case, the Harper Trust, they were using something called the percentage method. Now, the percentage method actually came from ACAS. It actually came, and again, it was on the Gov website before 2019. All of it has been taken down now. There was a formula, formula of 12.07% which is, again, this maths, isn't it? So the, the formula, the, the, the idea behind this formula is 52 weeks in a year, take away the 5.6 weeks, of course, which is the holiday, statutory holiday entitlement, leaves you with 46.4. So 5.6 divided by 46.4 times 100, that's where your 12.07% comes from. So for years, that's what we use with casual workers because the legislation didn't really help us with that. 
about what their entitlement was. So what we used to do back in the day, and some of you might still be doing this, uh, is we take the hours that they'd worked, we times it by 12.07%, and that would kind of bank, if you like, their holiday entitlement so they could start to use that and hopefully obviously be paid for that later at later dates. So that's the, the casual workers. Then we've got, of course, this pro rata. You've also got these things to consider. And this really is the reason I'm going through this is because it ties into the proposal the government's putting forward. But with the new starter, okay, with this regulation that came through in back in 1998, they also introduced uh, like a new starter accrual process. Now, interestingly, with new starters, um, their uh, apportionment, if you like, their pro rata is based on months. It's actually based on months. Um, so they always receive one twelfth of, basically. So again, uh, the idea is you could use an accrual for your new starters if you wanted. So when they join the company immediately on day one, they get one twelfth of their holiday entitlement. So we work out, of course, just as we've done before, the 5.6 weeks, whether that's in days or weeks, however you want to do that. But they receive one twelfth of it. And then on the anniversary of their start date, if you like, the monthly anniversary, they receive another one twelfth and so on and so forth until we get to the end of, of course, your holiday year, which is where they get the full holiday year entitlement. So that's a, a, an option. Some companies don't do that. They just give them it up front. Nothing wrong with that as well. If you want them to, if you want to do it that way, you can do. But again, the pro rata calculation is fairly simple. Again, if we're working days, uh, somebody who's working full time, 28 days entitlement, we've already explained that. We divide that by 12 um, for to get at this one twelfth of, and then we'd work out how many months, if you like, that they've worked in the year as a new starter. So the example we have in Bayes' guidance is somebody who joins us on the 19th of August. Uh, their holiday year runs out, of course, starts again uh, from the 31st of December, so 1st of January is the start of the new holiday year. So in their example, they're saying even though you joined on the 19th of August, you would be entitled to five months. So August, September, October, November and December. So you, that you get five months entitlement. So the calculation for that pro rata for that new starter would be 28 divided by 12 times five. So fairly simple maths, but that's the calculation. That's the pro rata for a new starter. And the interesting thing is when we look at levers, it's completely different. So when somebody leaves the company, we don't look at the months, we actually look at the calendar days. And it's not the days they've worked, it's the days they've been employed. So the Saturdays and the Sundays, all the other days. Uh, so it's a 365 in theory calculation. If it's a leap year, it's 366. But it's the, still that same kind of concept behind the pro rata and how we work this out. So again, examples are all in the, the base guidance, but the general term is, you know, again, if you're entitled to this 5.6 weeks entitlement, that's the week. So again, we take that start starting with our calculation, we divide it by 365, if that's the case in the year that we're dealing with, we times it by the number of days they've actually been employed, so 103 or whatever it may be, and that then gives you an entitlement, of course, of 1.58. So that's weeks that they're entitled to. You can do the same method with days, nothing wrong with that again 28 divided by 365 times 103 whatever it may be uh, will give you probably eight days entitlement so the reason I'm kind of going through these two as well and why I think it's quite key is because 
there is guidance on the Gov website. There is the, the books, of course, we can have a read through those, but there's also a calculator. And it's great for us, of course, we can check our answers and check the entitlement and what we're giving to our employees. But your employees are probably using it as well. So if you do have those queries of how have you come up with eight days entitlement because I've left the company, you've got to explain how you've come to that figure. So it's either you're using something different Hopefully it gives them more, maybe more entitlement or you are referring to that guidance, of course, that's on the Gov website. So a couple of things on that one. So the different new starters is months, leavers is 365. Okay, so that's the first thing. When we take a look at, of course, our casual workers, this is the this is the issue, isn't it? With our casual workers, they're entitled to 5.6 weeks holiday. And this is all to do with the Harper Trust case uh, and the fact that we can no longer use those percentages because it's not in the legislation. So that moves us on to where we are today. Finally, we can talk about the biz proposal, the consultation that they've put forward. And please get involved with this. If you are affected by this, if you do have casual workers or shift workers, please have a read through the proposal fill in the details you don't have to be a membership you'd have to be part of anything you can simply access the site on the gov website so please get involved but the proposal basically is okay so if we think about casual workers that's really where the proposal is trying to aim for on the back of this case and it seems to be quite a high priority because the closing date for this is the 9th of March that's fairly quick to be honest so hopefully we'll get some responses we'll get some answers soon uh, coming from the government but the proposal is okay it's simply saying to us for casual workers for example we start our holiday year I don't know first of January whenever it may be we go back over the last 52 weeks and it's a fixed 52 weeks. So it's not missing out weeks where they've not worked. It's including weeks where they haven't worked. OK, so you're going back 52 weeks. You then average that out. So you add up all the hours that they've worked. And then we times that by 12.07%. And that gives you a year's entitlement. So that's what they're proposing rather than 5.6 weeks. And that's it. So it should make that process a little bit easier. And it's bringing back, of course, this concept we've just described of the 12.07% method. So the government seems quite keen to move forward with this. Um, it then digs into it, okay, and have a look into this yourselves, but it also talks about new starters and that accrual, and of course, another reason I, I talked about it, that accrual method. So generally with our new starters, they receive it one twelfth of their entitlement at the start of their employment when they first start. But what they're proposing for casual workers using this 12.07% method is they get it at the end. So at the end of their first month, we'd go back, we add up all the hours that they've worked and we times it by 12.07%. So they accrue it as that year goes on. And I suppose that's the question, really, isn't it? Because they're in their example, they're saying to us, we get to a point of where eventually you will have 52 weeks worth of data. But is that on the anniversary for the casual worker? So in which case all casual workers would have their own holiday year? Or are they going to allow us to pro rata some way, shape or form so it can fall in line with the company holiday year? So those are the still nitty gritty, as I call it, still to come out devil in the detail, of course. So potentially issues with that, but hopefully they will come up with proposals based on the feedback hopefully they're going to receive from all of us. OK, so that's the first thing. The next thing they want to do is a daily rate. They talk about this as well. Uh, for, pay, for paying it, I think we do have a problem with paying it. And again, if you are dealing with that, you'll be aware of it. But for the leave side of things, they're proposing um, two options. Now, the government is keen to move forward with something called a flat rate. 
they don't give us any examples. So I'm assuming it must be some kind of, you know, the total amount divided by, I don't know, 52 divided by a, a, a set number of days or something. So what that flat rate seems to be the, the you know, the, the um, preferred option, shall we say, for the government, but no examples at this stage. So we'll see what we'll see what comes of that. They've also then dug into agency workers. This potentially could include, of course, umbrellas umbrella companies uh, but any form of agency workers um they've suggested for them that we use this same method this adding up all the hours that you've worked and times it by 12.07% and they receive that either at the end of the assignment or at the end of the month whichever is preferred to be used okay so lots of things going on and as i said uh, during that please if you are affected by this if you're dealing with this i deal with it on a very small scale um but it's still painful to the payment side of things are painful but the leave would be good to get a good some clarity on this and again that opening proposal from Bayes is to simplify this whole process so first of all growth within business within the UK Third, again, secondly, for the workers, the employees, so they actually understand how we've come up with these calculations. And of course, for us, us hopefully working in HR or payroll, uh, so we have a clear understanding behind it. So really on the back of that, uh, there are a couple, I keep saying the power of Google. But again, have a look at the Gov website. There are a couple of guide, guys to take a look at. They're all from Bayes. Um, but you've got uh, holiday leave or holiday entitlement, they call it, uh, which is November, dated November 19. Um, then, and that's the bit that really they want to try and update. Then you've got holiday pay. Now, that one's dated March 20, and it was reviewed or revised in July 20. Um, so that's still live. And again, the proposal from my point of view doesn't seem to be doing anything as far as the pay is, is concerned. I'm hoping it does. I'm hoping that on the back of this to do make a change to it and simplify the whole thing. Uh, but the consultation, as I said, uh, have a look at that. That's a bit, um, was it, uh, available on January, of course, January 2023, but very soon it will come to an end on the 9th of March. And remember, you've also got the Gov calculator again, keep saying the power of Google it into uh, the Google, into, you know, holiday pay calculator, and it will take you onto the Gov website. And it's a little bit like a wizard, you know, you kind of press the green start button, and you'll work your way through depending on the uh, worker's situation. So full time casual worker, that kind of thing. So you work through the examples, you enter your data, and it will tell you the results. And what we've discussed today is how they calculate those results. So hopefully a nice little starter there uh, just to give you a bit of an insight into holiday leave and of course how it can be or is different to pay. Uh, so hopefully in the next session we might dig into the payment a little bit more Mel. What do you think? Yeah I think it sounds to me just so complicated and I understand why why people um, or payrollers um, struggle or don't enjoy the topic of holiday pay. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> Yeah, um, it, is, it is. It is. It is complicated. You're absolutely right. And again, you, just because I had a bit of a refresh on that um, guide that was issued by, of course, Bayes back in November 19, and it's the the way they put the formulas together. And I do have it in presentations. I present holiday pay um, uh, privately as well. But yeah, even when I go through it, I think, why do they make it so complicated? Because the formula is actually quite simple. But they put all these percentages in, and they make it bigger than it needs to be I think um but yeah try try to again my, my ethos is always the same try and simplify it keep it easy keep it simple because you can understand it that hopefully gives us consistency throughout <clears throat> and of course our employees our workers understand it as well 
Well, um, I uh, spent quite a few hours with HMRC this week, which was a joy. And uh, two of their representatives said, I don't know why we don't make things more simpler. So maybe, yeah, <laughs> yeah maybe maybe that's the thing, isn't it? It's true. And I think to be to be fair, Matt, Matt I think it's across the board. This, you know, we're just talking about holiday leave and there's holiday pay, but then there's national minimum wage. I mean, that thing is just insane when you yeah. dig into what the the interpretation from base is and the interpretation from hmrc is it is so complicated you know and, and that's businesses are trying to do their best and they i don't i'm absolutely sure they've no qualms in in paying people the national minimum but it's when they're trying to almost trick them up on these things that they're finding and it's just make it clear just make it clear tell us what you want and we'll do our best to do it yeah, yeah. Well, I'm sorry, I should have said holiday leave earlier, but thank you, Joe, so much. Um, so we'll we'll have a, another episode um, next week or the week after, hopefully. Yeah, um, yeah so we could, uh, Tackle another topic. Um, if you would like Joe to discuss anything, you know, feel free to reach out to Joe or myself, and then we can always put that down on the agenda. But thank you for joining us. Thank you so much, Joe, and um, we look forward to seeing everyone on the next episode. Lovely. Thanks, Mel. Take care. Bye.